This episode of The Vincast is proudly supported by Sheba, Australia's first and only active all-female rideshare service getting women and children where they need to go. You can use Sheba in Melbourne, Geelong, Sydney, Brisbane, Gold Coast and Sunshine Coast and it will be available in Perth, Darwin and Adelaide soon. On episode 129 of the Vincast, I chat with Mattia Chanka, the 2017 Sommelier of the Year, currently working at Dinner by Heston. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Vincast. My name is James Gasbrook, otherwise known as The Intrepid Wino, and uh, this is the official last episode of 2017. Uh, it's been quite a momentous year for me, uh, both personally and professionally. Uh, of course, uh, most importantly, bringing uh, my son into the world and introducing him to uh, to my work to a certain extent. Uh, if you haven't seen him yet, uh, I have been uh, doing some YouTube video tastings of some wines uh, along with Ollie, so please do check out my uh, YouTube channel, Intrepid Wino, uh, and check out some of those videos. It has been lots of fun, uh, but also, you know, it's been pretty momentous for the podcast. Uh, not only have I had some pretty amazing guests on the show, but uh, uh, if you weren't there or if you haven't seen it already, uh, held the first ever live edition of the podcast, welcomed some previous guests of the podcast and my co-host, uh, Nevena Sporovska, and uh, we chatted about grape varieties and what the right ones might be for Australian wine. So it was really fascinating. It was a really kind of fun way to chat about stuff, uh, incorporating a wine tasting as well. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to hold uh, many more in 2018 and uh, would highly recommend checking it out and would love to see some of you there. But uh, for the last episode of the year, uh, I thought it was great, uh, an opportunity to chat with uh, recently named Sommelier of the Year with Sommeliers Australia. Uh, it's actually a, a competition held every couple of years. And Mattia Chanka was named this year's winner, uh, currently working at Dinner by Heston at Crown Casino here in Melbourne. Uh, Mattia and I have been uh, friends for quite a few years, so it was great to find out more about his background. I do hope you enjoy the episode. Please stick around to the end so you can find out how to get in contact with Mattia and myself if you did enjoy it. But until then, I'll see you on the other side. Mattia, uh, it's been, uh, I think, a, a long time coming. Uh, thank you very much for making some time, obviously, at a very busy time of the year, to, to sit down with me and to be on the podcast. Um, I'm very excited to finally, finally have a working sommelier as a guest. It's been a long time, I think, something like 70 episodes. So um, I'm very honoured to have the uh, recently named uh, number one, you know, Australian sommelier of the year. Uh, thank you very much for, for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, Mattia, I think the, the, what we have done already was uh, we did a, a live YouTube tasting, which was lots of fun. We looked at uh, Australian Riesling. Uh, that was a fun exercise. Uh, but I usually start the, the, the podcast by asking my guests if they can remember um, 
what the earliest interaction they had with wine was that made them think about it in a different way that possibly led them on a path to working in the wine industry? Well, um, I obviously always been exposed to uh, food and, and restaurants as I started working in restaurants when I was 14. But my first, let's say, serious approach to wine was in 2011 um, whilst I was working at a restaurant in Perth. Um, so if, so you, correct me if I'm wrong, you're from Rome originally? Yes. And, and grew up there and you know, had the, the culture of, of, you know, cuisine, food and wine and sharing, but you didn't kind of discover wine until you were actually working in Australia. Correct. So what I, I didn't know anything about wine uh, when I was in Italy and uh, uh, my father used to drink uh, red wine out of the fridge uh, in a plastic glass uh, mixed with sparkling water. So that was my memory and my educational. Better sparkling water than Coke like they do in Spain, <laughs> in Calimocho. So... Yeah, I started working in this restaurant and uh, when uh, eventually I got uh, sponsored um, and that was my kind of chance to, to stay in Australia uh, through that restaurant. And they had a very um, kind of important uh, 400 references Italian focused wine list. Mm-hmm. And being Italian, having a look at that list and I felt like I know nothing about those wines and I felt like, okay, if I want to work here and I want to work properly i need to i need to be studying i want to know more my own country and uh, all these varieties that they're so new to me so everything started for that reason so it was a need that you needed to 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 know more about wine because of work i needed to and obviously you know when you work somewhere you want to kind of uh, do it right you want to do it better you want to always improve yourself and i didn't know how it's gonna be mm-hmm. uh, learning about wine i usually don't like i never like reading in general mm-hmm. and obviously reading you're in the second stu- language. You're not a studious person? No, no. I wasn't. Um, and but you discovered a love of study, clearly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I just enrolled in a wine course and uh, and I fell in love with it. And the more I kind of uh, studied and discovered more and the more there was the need to know more, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So... That's how everything started. But before that, you had worked in hospitality for, for many years? Correct. Um, how did you get started in hospitality back in Italy? Um, just You just so, needed a job? Yeah, I mean, when I did... So in Italy, you can do you do primary school and then you do five years and then three years of secondary school and then you need to choose what, um, which direction what, what you're path, going to. Yep. So the high school is five years and you can choose hospitality. In Italy, I think most of European countries are like this. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a compulsory school, but you can do hospitality as a high school. So you study on. so you study and work? You st- Is you that generally stu- the idea? I mean, or, or do you, you study for a certain do- amount of time and then you start working? Um, you still do five years of compulsory school until you are 18, 19. Okay. And then we can, you finish your diploma and then you can go to university if you like. But obviously having... Uh, it's more of a professional, like vocational school. So you can you have three three months summer break, and then during this break, so during the weekend, you can go and work if you like. Um, and yeah, I just felt like you know I don't want to ask money to my parents, and my parents always had kind of a um, uh, been divorced since I was three, so I, I felt like oh, I don't want to ask 
money to mom because she doesn't have money. I didn't want to ask money to my father because I don't have that much confidence. So I might just go to work and, and get some money by myself and mm-hmm. don't ask anything. That's how everything started. Obviously, being in hospitality school, everything was a little bit easier. Did, did you kind of think of hospitality as a, a, as a career path or was it just something that you could see yourself doing it's like oh yeah i could do this for now maybe i'll i'll change you know i'll change my career path in the future but for now hospitality makes sense it, there are plenty of jobs available or is this kind of like uh you just found yourself in that situation uh, i always wanted since i was a kid i always wanted to be a pastry chef really yeah <laughs> so every every kind of a celebration or birthday in the family i always trying to make cakes uh um, was there someone in your family that you know was like particularly skilled at making pastries that kind of gave you that that uh that idea no no you just like pastries yeah i just i just liked i don't know why i just yeah my mom used to be a photographer and my father used to be delivery driver so it's not really connection to interesting combination yeah um i just obviously i like eating and i just i felt it was right for me i don't know this kind of a Big hats, pastry, chubby pastry chefs, you know, they look good. I don't know. They just... They always seem happy, don't they? Yeah. So... So that's I, why you sort of followed the hospitality path. So you did you, you studied about, you know, how to cook and that kind of thing? So yeah, hospitality school, I did uh, five years. And when you do the first two years, you do, you study a bit of everything. And then the third year, you need to choose. And mm-hmm. I, uh, uh, and I went for cooking because I said, you know, anyone can be a waiter. I don't think you need to study in order to be a waiter. So I'd rather learn how to cook. Looking, and then I looking, can always... looking back now, do you still feel that way? <laughs> no way. Obviously, I didn't know what I was talking about. I was only 15. Sure. And yes, okay. but I did cook in a school and I work in kitchens as well. Yeah. But then I found... But you thought that you could pick up the skills required to be, to work on in the front of house, but you couldn't just kind of walk into a kitchen and know how to, to cook and, and know how a kitchen works. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So you studied that and you, and you were working, uh, how, how long, you know, so you, so you studied until 18? Yes. Right? Yeah, okay. Uh, and then, but, but by this point you were kind of working front of house? I was always uh, weekends and the first two summer season, I worked as a waiter. Mm-hmm. And then... For two summer season after that, because you need to do a compulsory um, stage or yep. period yep. For, for, for the school. Like so I, I had to do internships, so I had to do cooking. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up staying for the whole season. So I kind of, I was employed as a cook mm-hmm. uh, in an hotel for two uh, summer season. That was fun. But then after my diploma, I got a job as a waiter in another hotel in Tuscany, and the service was very good. There was all trolley services and lots of wine service involved. Um, and I fell in love with this elegance, with this kind of a candle and nighttime in the restaurant. There was all this kind of a nice atmosphere about it. Very classic. Yeah, sort and of I thought, oh, maybe I should old, be outside the world. kitchen. Yeah, and okay. Yeah, that's where everything started about being outside of the kitchen and about being out. In a restaurant, in a dining did you, scenario. Did you miss the interaction with people? Did you kind of like the idea of having the opportunity to engage with the customer? Um, well, I didn't miss it at that point, but I realized that I wanted to be there. You know, I like to be able to interact with people, absolutely socializing and a kind of 
yeah, it's it's nice to see people um reactions and sure. and uh, the way they interact with what comes out of the kitchen but more in a more uh direct way. Sure. Yeah, and I have plenty of friends as they work as chefs and it, they just it wasn't I, I was realizing that if you want to do this serious it wasn't for me. Yeah. Committing for being a chef I didn't feel that that was the right thing for me. So, so, yeah. so going from the kitchen to the front, was that a, a difficult transition? No, it was uh, it was very pleasant actually. And I, I, I think I, because I always been working as a super casual places, but like always as a waiter mm-hmm. before that. So it I, it sounded like this is the right thing for me. And I yeah, and the more I was doing this, okay, maybe I should work in a better place, and maybe I should learn maybe a little bit of English, and maybe I should do this. Uh, never had anything to do with wine at that point, but I felt like I was doing the right thing in terms of, okay, be able to to do this kind of service in the best possible way. The you know, I I felt like I felt like that this is the right thing to do. And um yeah, and so I tried to work in different restaurants in, in Italy and then I did a very short period of time in London, tried to learn English to learn English, it didn't work very well at that time. Um, but yeah, and then I went back to Rome for a year. And having tried working outside of Italy, I felt, okay, outside of Italy, working conditions are very good. So I just want to go back for now and then I want to leave again. And that's how I ended up in Australia after the last year in Rome. Uh, having spent time in the kitchen, do you think that that helped you, gave, gave you a better understanding of kind of, um, what goes on behind the scenes to then be able to re-engage with the customer and see how they are actually interacting with not just the food but the entire dining experience. Do you think that you had the benefit that it was beneficial for you having worked as a, as a chef in the kitchen to then have that front of house experience? Do you think that's potentially a good thing that people working in hospitality, particularly front of house, should have the opportunity to do, spend a bit of time in the kitchen to then kind of take that to the front of house? Absolutely. I think the better idea of uh, the whole picture of a restaurant always helps. doesn't matter where you work. Um, obviously, my experience in the kitchen wasn't any fancy or any fine dining. It was really just, you know, just normal food cooking but just the way of understanding how a particular tool in the kitchen works or how things are done or how products are received and how they processed i think that definitely helped um even in regards to timing calling courses away i think to have understanding of how the kitchen works in order to manage your time better on the floor it's very important so yeah i definitely Glad that I had that experience. Mm-hmm. Well, what what were you drinking at this point? Were you interested in in alcohol at all, apart from just enjoying the fact that it's alcohol? Um, no, I remember when my first year in Perth that I came as a uh, let's say backpacker, and I was buying obviously food at Colts, and then um, with the receipt there was a liquor land. Uh, next door and you can get a discount okay to buy two get one free or sure, something sure. like that so yep. i remember i was buying south african sauvignon blanc with a tiger on uh, on the label uh-huh. ten dollars two uh-huh. bottles uh-huh. and it was good <laughs> good enough did the job um 
but you came to Australia with the idea of gaining more experience in hospitality and also improving your English and because you could earn a little bit more perhaps. Yes. I mean, my first year in Australia wasn't definitely, I, I, I was 21 and I didn't have any idea that I was going to end up living here as a citizen now. So it was definitely, I, especially in Perth, I felt like, okay, obviously hospitality is very different from, from Europe. Um, the working condition salary wise was much better. And obviously I was trying to learn English and everything. So that was a, a good sort of a step um, for me in able to, to learn a single language and to be able to do, you know, your job in a different language, a different country, I think is very important. Um, but yeah, and then I can just fell in love with the country, with sure. the with with the lifestyle and everything, and uh, decided to stay and kind of work my way uh, up in terms of visas and regulations and sure, try sure. to collect all documents and things, and then yeah, ended up staying and. I moved to Melbourne in 2013. Yeah. Um, so when you had the opportunity as far as, you know, working with wine uh, at what I'm assuming was a very good restaurant if it's got, you know, quite a big listing of Italian wines in Perth, um, did it seem a bit strange to you that you were all the way on the other side of the world learning about wines from your own country that you kind of hadn't had a lot of experience with? Was that strange for you? It was. It was and I was thinking that uh, I wish I could have done this earlier, but, you know, things happen for a reason, I believe, and um, it's not really a point of uh, um, regretting what you haven't done. So it was just, obviously, I was still very young. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to see the, the positive side of things, and it's okay, now if I commit myself, um, I know it's weird to studying Italian wines in Australia, <laughs> <laughs> coming from Italy. And having worked in Italy, but that's what I felt like doing it. And and to be honest, obviously I was working in an Italian focused wine list restaurant, but the more when you study, especially outside of Italy, the more um when you do a wine course, it's I think Italy is one of those countries that that, that kind of cover very well. Mm. So I was doing that as a um, general understanding of wine around the world but obviously doing my own research about italian sure. things according sure. to what was listed in the restaurant sure um the rest the restaurant provided a lot of trainings a lot of sampling um so so yeah it was a between this course and and the restaurant itself it was a good com combination of knowledge and kind of being exposed to to wine in a more efficient way so just trying to do as much as you can um, you know, when you discover something and you're very excited, so you're trying to do everything at once, which is not possible, mm -hmm. but then yeah, everything kind of fell into the right place. Of course. With the course, did you ever find there were um, instances where they might have been talking about Italian wines and they said something you said and you as an Italian person were like, uh, that's not quite right <laughs> or that doesn't, no, 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 that's not what that means. Were there any like, occasions where that might have happened? Um, Pronunciation-wise, absolutely, <laughs> from Australian teachers. Uh, no, I, to be honest, I felt that the knowledge of people teaching the course was very high. Sure. And obviously they knew what they're talking about. Sure. Um, 
being the only Italian in the room in this kind of class, I've sometimes I might ask, oh, what does this mean? Or how do you pronounce this? But my knowledge was literally close to zero. Sure. So I, I never had that real feeling of, no, that's not right. Because mm-hmm. I, w- I didn't know what was right, what was wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you think the course was very um, symptomatic of, or not symptomatic, but like it basically reflected what the general wine consuming public in Australia, their kind of knowledge of Italian wines, even then maybe like it was a lot, lot less, but you sort of suggested that the course, it was a, like a greatest hits or like a very loose kind of understanding of Italian wine and maybe only talking about certain regions and a lot of stuff just wasn't covered? Did you find that that was sort of when you're working in the restaurant, for example, that people were kind of completely unaware of a lot of different grape varieties from Italy, for example? Um, well, it was it's a UK-based course, so they they the, the focus on France was very strong, which I fell in love with. And obviously, this couldn't be applied to the restaurant very much. You know, I was going back to the restaurant. Oh, I know about Sancerre. I know about this. I need, I know about that. But there is no, there was no wines from those regions on the list. So it was just um, absolutely. So the course was covering more classic regions that perhaps are more important, more relevant into the UK market. Um, but yeah, it was for what I needed was lacking of information about other regions as you said but um yeah i mean i to be honest i didn't know what australian public especially i mean perth market i would say it's really very different from melbourne uh from melbourne one but i think overall um australia especially melbourne has a, an amazing uh, view an amazing culture of uh, uh food and wine so um, I'm not sure if I'm going off topic, <laughs> but the Perth the Perth experience was was different. So, did you kind of enjoy the opportunity to introduce people to something different, and in, in terms of you know, particularly in terms of Italian wine? Yeah, I think it was very important to know classic areas in order to understand what people uh, were asking for, and then in order so, to so recommend. If they, if they said that they liked, you know. Um, Sauvignon Blanc from the Adelaide Hills or they like Yarra Valley Chardonnay, you know, maybe you could think of something from Italy that may appeal to them and and, so, and suggest something like that. Well, you know, if you like Sauvignon Blanc, maybe try some Suave, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's where the, um, the knowledge of classic regions was very important to me because people were asking about, okay, I only drink Barossa Shiraz. Okay, well, we don't have Barossa Shiraz here, so you might have... Uh, you might want to try an Amarone, or you might want to try a Primitivo, or you might want to try something from Sardinia, you might want to try this style of wine. Obviously, you needed to have the knowledge in order to recommend something mm-hmm. very different that you then never heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was the thing for me that was very important at the time. Mm-hmm. How long was uh, the Perth experience? Um, so I started in that restaurant in uh, November 2011. I uh, would say it was almost two years mm-hmm. in that restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall in Perth, it was around four years. Yep. And what brought you to Melbourne? Um, you just needed a change? Yeah, I think uh, I was feeling that wine was the right 
path for me to uh, to be in, and I really wanted to do more. And obviously, uh, this course had more levels to do, and in Perth they only do up to the third level. And I wanted to do more, and uh, the options were either Sydney or Melbourne. And yeah, I had some contacts in Melbourne. I had a kind of a uh, an interview already arranged. Uh, for a possible job in Melbourne, so I, I decided to move to Melbourne and enrolled into the last level of this course, and and then eventually, yeah, just uh, moved to Melbourne in 2013. Mm. Sincerest apologies for interrupting another fascinating Vincast chat, but I wanted to mention the supporter of this episode of the podcast. So I'm speaking exclusively to the female listeners of the podcast who might happen to be at a wine event, a dinner or something like that in the city and uh, looking at a way to get home. Why not consider the new Australian Sheba app, which has been set up by women for women? Sheba is a safe and convenient form of transportation for female-only passengers, uh, which makes you feel more comfortable because not only are all the, the drivers females themselves, but they also take home 85% of the revenue. So I highly recommend checking out the app and finding out if Sheba is available in your area. Get started with Sheba today. Visit the App Store or the Google Play Store to download the Sheba app and get riding in minutes. When you ride with Sheba, you're getting where you need to go and connecting with a ride-sharing community full of exceptional Australian women. Download the app today. You got a position in Melbourne? Yes. And was that where you worked for a number of years? Correct. So this was at Attica? Yes. So to go, you know, to, to come to Melbourne and at still relatively young and to basically work at the number one restaurant in Australia, generally considered, if you yeah. if you go based on the, uh, the you know, the top 50 guide. Yeah. Um. Was that, and have, having worked at a restaurant that, you know, focused on Italian wines and, and, and in, I believe you worked at uh, Print Hall. Did you work at Print Hall? No. No? I don't know why I thought you'd worked at Print Hall. Um, but you worked, you know, you worked at probably, you know, a couple of the better places in Perth. What was it like kind of making that shift to to Melbourne and then working at such an incredible and unique restaurant like Attica? Um. It was a big change, and I obviously didn't expect to to be working there when I was still in the, in this restaurant called uh, Galileo in Perth. Um, that's right. Yeah, that's the name of uh, of the Galileo restaurant in Perth, which I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved to Melbourne before I moved to Melbourne. I was kind of uh, uh, having a look what was available, and uh, and I only wanted to stay in hospitality if had it had to be related to wine in order to to me still be in a restaurant, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to be more exposed to wine and I only wanted to have a wine-focused role. Um, so I think I wasn't looking for any uh, staff and uh, and I was waiting for um, another restaurant to get back to me. So while I was waiting, I said, I just want to check if at Attica do they do any kind of a stage or any kind of a just, you know, like working for free, just having a look what happens there. I, just, I was so curious about this restaurant because it's written everywhere and it's, you know, all these awards and things. And so I'm just wondering what it's going to be like. And uh, obviously I read about uh, the, um, the former restaurant manager, um, Andrew Aris Plain. So I read about him and I read about his kind of a, um, 
uh, story and the way it was philosophies, to, yeah. uh, the core of Master Sommeliers, which was new to me as well. So as I'm, uh, it might be interesting to know this guy and to uh, to meet him and to eventually work with him. So I just sent him another email. I said, oh, do you guys do any stage in front of us? And is there any chance I can come and have a look and help you? I said, yeah, we should catch up for a chat. We usually don't do stage in front of us. We only do it in the kitchen. You should should come and have a chat. And that's what happened. And it was funny because, uh, you know, he was asking me a lot of questions about myself. And then he said, ah, maybe I should introduce myself. Ben just said, and as I thought, that's not needed. I, like, I know everything about you already. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, I've done my research. But um, yeah, so you should come for for a trial and see if you know you can give you a, like a position few few nights. You know, you can wash classes and you can do this and mm -hmm. you can have a look what we do. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I entered the restaurant, I started. I felt the pressure of of service and the standards and everything. And I said, this place is cool. This place is different, and it reminds me of the standards that they were in Europe, but with more relaxed way. And I really felt like, okay, I think this is what Australia hospitality is about. So you felt that it captured the kind of the very classic, um, elegant approach that you first saw back in Tuscany, but it did it in a uniquely Australian slash New Zealand way um, so that it, it felt like it was uh, very serious and, 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 high quality, but not this kind of very formal way. Yeah, so people were very, people were very relaxed and, but the knowledge that you had to have in order to, to be there, even just mm, delivering bread at the table, you had to know everything possible that the guests might ask. And, and I found it challenging, you know, discovering natural and uh, local ingredients, uh, it's not translation and all those things. So it took me a long time to learn the whole menu. Um, but anyway, after my first day, Ben just said, look, you could, we might have a position for you at the end of the month if you want. Mm. And I said, okay, that's amazing. And, you know, I'm just to be clear, I'm still waiting for this other place to uh, reply. Um, but I said, even if it's, I don't think I can do anything with wine in this restaurant because I, there is so much, there's so many talented people already. And I was hearing the conversation they're having. I, I, I had no idea what they're talking about. They're talking about wine, but things I never heard of. So yeah. I think I need to study even more. Mm. I thought I knew about wine, but obviously I don't. Mm. So I think I'm in the right place with the right people. Even if I'm not exposed to wine, I think it's good for now. That was my feeling at the time, and uh, and then everything changed after a few months. Was that one of the big differences with the Melbourne experience? Is that you obviously it's a much bigger city, and there are uh, a lot more diversity, and and people care more about dining and and wine. Was it really great for you to start to meet more people and maybe find more like-minded people, and to start tasting together and talking about wines and be influenced by each other? Yeah, I mean. Melbourne is one of these cities, uh, one of these places that the more you live, that's my personal experience, the more you live it, the more you love it. And what I love about Melbourne is definitely not the weather. It's about the connection, the community and the people that you can um, meet and see and chat to on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there is so many, um, f I mean, dedicated people that, that I found that so uh, approachable and so 
um, available to to discuss, to meet, to taste, to to study, and do all those things. So mm-hmm. you can find free tastings once a week in different uh, bottle shops and different wine stores. And I never had this. Um, I never experienced that before, and I thought, oh, if you want to learn, this is the right place to be. So yeah, I definitely felt there was a change, uh, like a real change. And mm-hmm. it's okay if I commit. If I commit to this, I think in Melbourne it's possible. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of Aust- Australian ingredients, so to speak, Australian, you know, uh, flora. Um, what had been your experiences with Australian wines up to this point? Had you had lots of uh, exposure to wines from Western Australia when you're over in Perth and Melbourne gave you even more exposure to wines from Victoria and South Australia, New South Wales, that kind of thing? Yeah. When I was in Perth, I was, I was uh, funny enough, I was exposed to more Italian wines and, and obviously Western Australian wines. In fact, my very, very first wine course was on Western Australian, Western Australian Wine Association something and uh, it was only about western australian wines moving to melbourne was more and more about french wines and obviously victorian wines so and even everything made sense because the more i was studying the more i was studying france and french wines and i started to understand that france is i mean this is a big statement coming from an italian but the more i learned and consumed French wines, the more I was in love with France. Sure. And yeah, and the, and the more I was buying French wines and my wine fridge is full of French wines. Was it, uh, was it something that you found fascinating, particularly having the, the Attica experience, seeing this revolution, I guess, or um, renaissance of um, more classic wines and sort of low intervention and, and focusing more on sustainable farming and and limiting how much you're influenced in wine. Was this something that you were kind of interested to see, particularly whilst you're working in Melbourne, both in terms of European wines and Australian wines? Um, yes, I mean, it was a completely different picture. And to be honest with you, I didn't have a real um, comparison to make. It's such, I think I was such a unique environment mm-hmm. Those obviously unique ingredients, unique menu. Some of the wine pairings were just combinations that you would never uh, imagine of. And and the exposure that the restaurant has to obviously suppliers and importers, it was, was amazing. And the, the wine training, the wine education, everything was just right at the time. So what was your question? <laughs> They, obviously, you know, there's been this big movement in the last five years with, uh, you know, that's, I don't like to, to use this word too much, but natural wines, for example. Okay, yeah. You know, and was this something interesting kind of to see? Because Attico is this very small microcosm where you kind of, it seems so far ahead of what's generally um talked about with with wine and food so to kind of see some of the things that you probably would have been introduced to at Attica become a lot more common in in other restaurants and wine bars and and shops was this something interesting for you uh it was very interesting to see obviously um conventional uh wines and um 
and how people call them now natural wine. Um, I think it was absolutely interesting, but uh, it's not something that I, you know, the more you learn about things, the more you make, I would say, make up your own mind and your own picture about things. Um, it, it made sense for that restaurant to have minimum intervention wines. Uh, but I agree that there is a, I mean, there are wines that are made using um, minimum intervention wines that are made amazing quality, amazing level, they're super balanced wines and they're super drinkable wines at all times. And there are wines that go a little bit too far. So, And they're so specific to a certain context, like you could only enjoy them you know, in a certain place with certain food, that kind of thing, and they don't necessarily have as much appeal. Yes, I think there was important philosophy and message in that restaurant, and the wines were all following this philosophy, but there were still wines that had balance, quality, and they're just well-made wines, but following the philosophy of the restaurant. So, yeah, yeah I think it's important for... Knowing, knowing the kind of clientele that would be coming to Attica... They're not necessarily going to be ready to accept or they might never be ready to accept kind of some of the style choices for these lower intervention wines. So they still want something a little bit more comfortable for, for them as wine consumers. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely uh, challenging. You know, you can you might, you get different type of clientele and uh, um, obviously being a one menu only restaurant uh, most of, uh, I would say, 50, 60% of the guests were going for the wine pairing. So once they can do, once they give you that uh, freedom of doing the wine pairings, I mean, obviously the wine pairing was already set, but um, once they give you this permission of taking them to uh, a journey, then you have very, very different reactions from, from different people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sometimes people, they just, absolutely love it and sometimes ah no i didn't get this yeah. um so obviously the communication the that had to happen in the restaurant was very important mm-hmm. um you know sometimes you might have a, a match a dish match to a beer and people will just go crazy because they love beer and sometimes ladies oh no i don't like this beer um i mean not not because of ladies i mean it can be any anyone but i'm just saying um 45 wines or you know things that are kind of a little bit out of the uh ordinary um obviously you have different reactions and yeah so. but, but having said that obviously attica people are going there for an experience and so that's part of the experience so hopefully you would want them to kind of follow you on a journey if they're selecting to, to have that but i guess it's probably a slightly different experience at your the current when your current place of employment which is dinner by heston um even though obviously that has a very unique approach to food uh and and I'm sure people will kind of be wanting to have matched wines, that kind of thing, but there's so much more accessibility on the wine list as far as lots of different stuff. And so if if someone comes in and they say, I specifically want to drink this wine, then you can have this. Or, you know, I, I'm having this with as my main. I like this kind of wine. Pick me something. Is it is a little bit more kind of liberating having that experience there by Heston? Um, yeah, so when I uh, was lucky enough to, to uh, uh, take this position and 
it was a massive change. It's com- almost like having uh, the same high standard restaurant, but on the opposite mm. side of uh, 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 of of the industry. You know, you have uh, a la carte restaurant is much larger restaurant, up to two hundred covers, even more, and and you have a crazy, beautiful, crazy wine list, and it's kind of this restaurant when you think about it and you say, okay, everything is possible. Mm. So, yeah, I think everything is possible. It's like the way I would say, I would describe that restaurant in, in terms of uh, wine uh, wine person in the restaurant. Yeah. And yeah, you have access to anything, really. I mean, anything that is available in Australia, you can kind of offer to... Um, to the guest. And working in this venue, having, you know, a huge range of wines on offer probably gives you an opportunity to taste very extensively. Does that help you with uh, with your studies? And particularly, you know, you recently were successful with an advanced sommelier and you, you know, you took uh, your first stab at uh, master sommelier as well. Um, is it great? Is an opportunity to taste very extensively? Also look at old wines? Um, yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm very lucky that every bottle we open, obviously, uh, we test and uh, we check them. It's perfect conditions. So I meet a lot of suppliers and 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 uh, you know wine reps in order to to select all these new products and to see what's what's available in in uh, in Melbourne. And um, so yeah, definitely that helps. Uh, I think what it's super important is also be working with with people that drives you and kind of uh, uh, inspires you all the time. So, yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I always say everything that happens for, for a reason. And I think in life, and especially in working life, um, timing is very important. So I made a, a, a wise, I was still a Latiga as a head sommelier and I, I believe dinner just opened and I had this, um, um, lunch at dinner by Essen as a guest from Attica. It was a wine lunch, and I met uh, Loic, the head sommelier at dinner, and it was just a, a instant connection. And we got in touch straight away. And obviously, he was studying for this exam. I wanted to study for this exam, and we kind of started catching up on on weekly basis for testings. And mm-hmm. then, you know, something became available. He offered me a job, and and then I said, okay, this is. That's you know, having, having this con- sorry to interrupt. Having this connection and be able to be working with people that have the same goal, I think, is something very, very unique. And I'm really proud and 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 lucky to have this. Yes. I think. And look, I'm speaking for myself personally. I've had the opportunity of working with you when you were at Attica, um, and then when I, I remember meeting with Loic and. Um, you know, we we very quickly kind of mentioned your name and 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 how well you got on and and that kind of thing. So when Loic, you know, mentioned that you were coming to work at Dinner by Heston, I just I think my comment was the A team, you know, because <laughs> I knew that like but the, like that you you would work very very well together because you have you know a lot of uh, uh, common ideas and philosophies and appreciation for lots and lots of different wines. Very open minded, but you know, respecting of very classic wines. And, um, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure that everyone who's been into Dinner by Heston since, since you've been there has had 
you know, an incredible experience. Um, and of course, you know, both continue on this journey with Master Sommelier. And recently you both uh, competed in the, uh, the biannual Sommelier of the Year competition, which was, uh, you know, a, an amazing, like the 12 finalists, I think. Uh, yes. uh, from around Australia and you know, a number of, of, uh, of our friends, our mutual friends who work as sommeliers, uh, all extremely skilled and experienced people. So, um, you know, to, to be named uh, and, you know, to, be, to, to win the, the, the top prize, uh, I'm sure must have been uh, very rewarding uh, in such a, a, a competitive field. Um, yes, I don't know where to start. So... Again, I think everything. Um, this is a, such a big answer. So, <laughs> um, going just briefly going back to 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 the workplace, I think um, everything again happens for. A re- I mean, uh, everything makes sense when you're surrounded by great people, and obviously, um, yeah, such a dedicated team. But uh, and it's just you know you you work with so much um, talented people that that they give you. The, they just feed you on, they on fuel you. En- yeah. energy and, and mm-hmm. positivity. Mm-hmm. So this is extent to to the whole team, I would say. And um, but yeah, as you know, we just got studying every day. And I think you have a full time job, and plus you just study full time basically. And this competition, yeah, uh, it's every three years, and they um, you know they allow everyone that it's been working in Australia for at least two or three years. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, you're studying, so I think it's a good opportunity to to to, to apply and yeah, to see what is, well. what is, what is, yeah. And you're I, studying anyway. And yeah, yeah and, and, and with advanced, advanced sommelier you were preparing for and now master sommelier. So, and yeah, and you would have been tasting with a number of those, those finalists as well. Yeah, and it was you know it was always fun and it was a good opportunity to meet friends in the industry that unfortunately we don't see enough mm-hmm. uh, because of our um, you know working and studying schedules. But um, yes, uh, we just uh, you know went back to work and I said to to like I said we should enter this and uh, and yeah I think it would be a good training for um, just a month before um, the exam in London. So yeah, we did it and. And you know we're trying to kind of push each other even more, and uh, and it's like you know it would be nice to go to the final together. So obviously you have this entrance exam, uh, which are, I'm not sure how many people around Australia entered. Uh, I think we'd be around 15 in Melbourne mm-hmm. that we did the entrance exam, and it's just a written test with two uh, with one blind wine was this time, um, and then yeah they just collect the scores and. Uh, um, uh, nominate the top 12 scores in the country and then that's where the uh, semi-final starts and then you do another um, written theory, written test uh, uh, um, blind testing and um, and a practical uh, scenario again and then they just name the three top scores out of those 12 mm-hmm. and then you perform this final live so just before that, after the semifinal, we, we we went back to work as we had to work on that Saturday night. And at the end of service, it would be nice to be in the final together. You know, <laughs> it would be nice to <laughs> to to have that kind of uh, um, you know friendship, working relationship, and and studying kind of uh, 
um, um, friendship and start studying. How do you say that? Studying kind of uh, energy linked to to that competition would be very nice. And yeah. then the day after, you know, one day called um, both of our names. I was, uh, I don't know, I felt very special. I felt very. <laughs> um, it was it was a yeah very very good moment actually. Well, yeah, it was it was fun. It was obviously you go through a lot of pressure, a lot of stress, and a lot of work. Yeah, but um, you know you have uh, people watching you, and all everyone is in within the industry. So, but yeah, try try to stay focused and and uh, move on. So yeah, it was a very good experience and well deserved. Obviously, you know, for both of you to to be named, you know, two of the top three in Australia, and uh, and I think that it is. Uh, testament to the, the passion and the hard work that you put in um, and, you know, that you surround yourself with people who uh, encourage and, 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 and push you. So um, obviously, thank you very much, Mattia, uh, for, for coming welcome. and sharing your story. I really do appreciate it. Uh, do you have, uh, you know, social media uh, accounts you potentially would want people to follow you on so uh, they can get in touch and let you know how much they enjoyed the episode? Uh, of course, um, I'm not really a social media person, but um, my Instagram is uh, Mattia M A T I A zero double four nine, and my Facebook, Twitter, Twitter. If anyone uses I Twitter, I think Twitter anymore. is the same. Yeah, okay. I think Twitter is Easy Mattia zero double four nine. I will have the links as al- as always. <laughs> I'll have the links so if people want to follow you. Uh, but thank uh, you. But thank you very much. And uh, look, I'm looking forward to to coming into dinner by Heston very soon. Please do. And thank you for joining us on this episode of The Vincast. I have been James Gersbrook, otherwise known as The Intrepid Wino. And of course, thank you for joining me on every episode of 2017. It's been a blast recording them. I hope you have enjoyed uh, listening to some of the stories of fantastic wine people from around the world. Uh, Of course, I'd love for you to follow me on social media, at Intrepid Wino on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And you can also follow the podcast on Twitter, at The Vincast. Uh, please do check out my YouTube channel, Intrepid Wino. Uh, there's uh, lots of Let's Taste uh, wine tasting videos. Uh, you can find out how I went with making my own wine the last couple of vintages. Uh, and uh, also, I'd love for you to leave some comments or um, share some of the videos on social media as well. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on a number of different platforms, iTunes, Player FM, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, hopefully soon Spotify. Uh, subscribing means you get the new episode as soon as it becomes available and you can have access to the full back catalogue. Uh, while you're there, I really would love for you to leave a rating and a review. Not only does it provide fantastic feedback to myself and the guests, but also it helps the, the podcast get out to a bigger audience. I'd love for more wine lovers just like you to, uh, to, to have a listen to some great stories. All that information, as always, is available at intrepidwino.com. Uh, as well as different writings that I've done in the past and various ways you can get in contact with me. Uh, look, I'm, I'm looking forward to 2018. It's going to be bigger and better, more live shows, more amazing guests, uh, and who knows what might happen uh, with the 2018 vintage. But, guys, until next year, bye. Melbourne's Podcast Network. EarbudsNetwork.com.